0: Hello, folks, and welcome to The Farm, a podcast dedicated to synchromysticism, parapolitics, and high weirdness in all its many forms. This is your host, Recluse, a.k.a. Steven Snyder, the longtime curator of the Visa blog and author of *A special relationship, Trump-Epstein and the Secret History of the Anglo-American Establishment. If you like what you hear here today, be sure to check me out at the at visebview.blogspot.com. That's v-i-s-u-p-v-i-e-w.blogspot.com. And cure a copy of that of my book, of the uh, Strange Tales of the Parapolitical, and uh, also the Epstein book and my other works at the farm's official store, which is at the farmpodcast.store. All right, folks, I've got a major repeater with me tonight. (laughs) She has been investigating high strangeness for well over a decade now, amassing a massive archive of such things in the process. She's a former member of MUFON, first working as a field investigator, and later became a state director for Utah. She's been a guest on such TV shows as History's Ancient Aliens, and the Travel Channel's UFOs, The Lost Evidence. And of course, she is the creator and host of UFO Classified. Folks, I give you guys the great Erica Lukes. Erica, thank you so much for dropping by again tonight. Oh,
1: absolutely. I I love your work. I love being on the show. And thank you for the opportunity. It's always a lot of fun.
0: Absolutely. Even well, with technical
1: difficulties.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we're working on those. Um, and this will not be quite as fun of a show as we normally do, but it is an important one nonetheless. I've dealt with misogyny in the Paraware community before, and this is certainly a continuation of these efforts. I uh, should say on the farm, that is. I would uh, urge you guys to check out the uh, interview I did with Stephanie Quick on this topic, I think about a year or so ago. Uh, it's very insightful. But anyway, for those of you unaware, Erica has recently come forward to document the abuse that she has suffered at the hands of her ex, whom many of you may be aware of, the Fort guard at the Mythological Skinwalker Ranch. Those aren't the only activities the X has been up to either. He's also a member of the Oath Keepers, who's on record as threatening the President of the United States. Erica has already told some of this to a local Fox affiliate, in SLC, which I will include a link for in this description. She's going to further expand upon that here and go into some of the implications of this for the present UFO disclosure narrative and the broader Paraweird community. So. Let us dig in. All right, Erica, to start off with, take us through your ex's background. Tell us about his time as a rock and roller and in the military.
1: Oh, Lord, you know, it's, it's such an illustrious background, my Lord. Um, he was a, he's, he's from Germany. He came over here when he was around 20 years old to be, uh, become a member of different bands in, in Los Angeles and when none of his bands really made it, it you know, big as we all have dreams of being famous musicians, and, and oftentimes that goes nowhere, um, he became a, a private security guard for some, some firms in the Los Angeles area, and then moved to New Mexico, where he became a deputy sheriff, and again, his career was... Uh, was definitely interesting the more i have been digging into that past there would appear that there would be some definite uh there could be let me just rephrase that uh some some abuse of power and things i know that there was a, a suit that he was involved with and then from there he moved to uh las vegas where he became a security guard for Robert Bigelow and worked at Skinwalker Ranch for six years and and for Bigelow Aerospace for almost ten, which is very interesting because his his um, he he was there longer than anybody else in uh, for Bass and any of the security guards and apparently Bigelow had uh, quite a fondness for him and and on one specific occasion bought him rounds and rounds of ammunition and all sorts of things. So uh, they had a very interesting relationship. I know that other people that have worked worked for Bigelow often wondered why uh, he would be employed for so long. Uh, he also is a combat veteran and um, someone that has other abuses uh, that were put forward and he eventually got the convictions expunged off of his record. And so the more I, you know, it was a pretty fast and furious romance. He came into my life because I was introduced to him by Ryan Skinner, who was an interesting, uh, ridiculous character from Skinwalker Ranch and that whole saga who's been promoting Uh, A lot of garbage for many, many years and feeding into that narrative of these mythical creatures and shape-shifting beaver sauruses and and all sorts of um, nonsense that really can't be vetted at the end of the day and has no uh, background. In in fact, Um, I will say that I, you know, I've obviously, in my relationship with my ex, I went down that rabbit hole of being you know obviously i live in utah i was pulled into the skinwalker narrative it is it's very exciting it's interesting why wouldn't you want to go there and explore the paranormal and and all of these things and i began researching that many many years ago and then after becoming uh meeting dr eric davis and the the new bigelow or the new bigelow <laughs> the new crew uh i was like i said introduced from by brian skinner to my ex and we developed a very um
0: erica what it was, was a, a very uh, just yeah. to interrupt what's the time frame of this like roughly speaking this is like what 2016 2017 thereabouts
1: so i it was about 2018 okay uh, yeah and so and it was very interesting because when i when ryan had had approached me and things he said well i would like to interview this person for my podcast and and but i've got, i'm going boating so i'm going to leave it to you and it was like now that i look back on that i don't he didn't really have a podcast i'm not quite sure what was happening with that but anyway there was a you know an immediate you know, hey, here I am and I'm a musician just like you and I've got the keys to the Skinwalker kingdom and, you know, let's go. And and during my first, you know, my first year really of interviewing him, and there are lots of interviews I have done that have not been published and I look forward to putting out uh, to the public because I think it's it's important, important historically. Um, he was very much... Of the mindset that I am a supporter of Bigelow. Kelleher is a great man. These are wonderful people. And you know, I am I am I am promoting the fact that I saw a man turn into a werewolf on a ridge and shot at, you know, a these wolves that were bulletproof and I mean yada yada, just a load of garbage, really. I mean and but I was sucked into it and then I started to ask questions and then the Osap contract. Uh, the solicitation sheet for OSAP came to light and, you know, lo, lo and behold, there was nothing in there about actually studying UFOs. This was a group uh, Erica, of people for the, for, uh,
0: for... the kids at home, can you yeah. explain OSAP here, right, quick?
1: Yeah, the Advanced Aerospace, Air, Air, Advanced Aerospace Weapons Application Program. And so this was back in 2017. Your listeners will probably remember the big New York Times story with Lou Elizondo and Leslie Keen and and the bigelow boys and everything where they had talked about the 22 million dollars the pentagon allocated for alleged ufo testing which it actually wasn't it was when you look either a complete taxpayer waste of money that went into the pockets of these people or they were testing potentially non lethal weapons as stated in the solicitation sheet they were uh, tasked with, with studying RF and do weapons technologies and biological effects on, on human tissues. And so, you know, it was, things came out and I began to really look into some of those leads as well as the fact that, you know, here in Utah we are, we, we, we love the military. We have a lot of land in the state of Utah that is dedicated to, to testing. And, you know, not only the one of the world's largest biological and chemical weapons testing facilities, known as Dugway Proving Ground, that was home to the 1968 Dugway sheep incident, where a nerve agent was uh, put over a field outside of the, the uh, Dugway and killed over 6,000 sheep and affected the health and livelihood of the people surrounding the, the Dugway. But we also have you know Hill Air Force Base. We have the Utah Test and Training Range. And then we have uh, a large concentration of defense and aerospace contractors here in Utah. And we are getting more and more every day thanks to people like Brandon Fugel, who have now helped uh, their building a new uh, facility up at Hill Air Force Base the wheelhouse, the, the, from my understanding, one of the largest concentrations of defense and aerospace contractors in the country, and that was a, a Brandon Fugel uh, deal, as was allegedly the land for the NSA, which is always interesting. So there's so many there's so many connections there that people so don't
0: just get. To interrupt, Erica. You're saying that see, this is when you say NSA, you're talking about that uh, that that data mining facility right. that they set up at Fort Williams, I think it is in Draper, Utah uh it's it's out by Camp Williams Camp Williams yeah 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 okay that's and this was land that Fugle had helped set up that's very this interesting. is
1: what I understand <laughs> yeah so
0: yeah this is uh, for those of you listening this is I think now the largest data facility for the NSA and a lot of other uh, military intelligence agencies as well at present. And um, it's really interesting because uh, Fort Williams also houses, or Camp Williams, whatever it's called, also houses uh, the 19th Special Forces Group, uh, which is a National Guard unit designated. But um, they most likely have a very unique purpose. I have declassified FBI documents indicating that their sister outfit, the 20th Special Forces Group on the East Coast, Uh, would be one of the units uh, activated in the event that uh, what we would think of as the continuity of government protocols uh, were initiated if the United States had been attacked by a nuclear assault or there was some other kind of invasion or something that led to a breakdown of government. Uh, The 19th probably has, I don't want to say for certain, but most likely it has a similar role for the West Coast so it's really significant that that special forces unit is right there next to this data facility and, and certainly not coincidental i would imagine uh, and yeah, no, that's, it's. That's it is. interesting mean, people gave up the land for it. <laughs>
1: right. Well, I mean, it is interesting when you start looking into to his his background, and I've mentioned this probably before on different shows. But I mean, he is on the governor's economic advisory board. He was on the COVID advisory board for the governor, which uh, which you know was responsible for allocating funds from the the government r- relief efforts. And I'm not quite sure where uh, that ended up, uh, but probably not going towards PPE, <laughs> a lot of it. But anyway, that's a, that's another, another story. But it is really fascinating, you know, because I've had such an up-close-and-personal experience, because I'm from Utah, because I have, uh, you know, a, a, I've, I know a lot of people here. I've done a lot of digging, and I am, am a lot like you. I don't... My, my focus is not on what I'm being fed in the UFO community. My focus is on digging much, much deeper and in, you know, a lot of different areas, looking at uh, people that are the data miners of the world, looking at that, people that are involved in, you know, Cambridge Analytica and things like that who are all, interestingly enough, you know, kind of that, that whole circle goes back into the smaller circle of people in the ufo uh community and that to me has been very alarming and i i keep trying to to talk about that as do you because i think this is really important there's something going on that has a much more nefarious purpose and it isn't about the study of ufos this is this is i i feel about kind of controlling a narrative about instilling a a certain political sentiment about uh, placing distrust in, in our government and tapping into that conspiracy mindset which as we have seen over the past few years can be a very dangerous thing and, and detrimental to communities, to family units uh, and you know, to people's lives. It's it's very dangerous.
0: Absolutely. Um so now getting back to your ex, now you said that uh, he had military service. I'm trying to recall if it was, was it in uh, the United States military or was it in Germany?
1: He was actually a naturalized citizen um, over here. And then he served in the the uh, National Guard and was deployed on two tours of duty overseas.
0: Okay. So, Do you happen to know what unit that he uh, served in?
1: You know what, I I should... I should look I should know that but there I d- <laughs> there's just so much information I've blocked that from my mind but
0: yeah it would be uh, certainly interesting to know um but yeah no that's uh that's certainly one of the more uh striking aspects of his background is that uh he grew up in West Germany correct mm-hmm. yeah so um it's very interesting that uh, he was able to uh Immigrate over here, and then uh, ended up with a lot of these plush national security jobs. Uh, and
1: it, it, yeah, that that is very interesting. I, and it's it's um, I you know I look back on on some of the the warning signs that I should have seen, you know, during all of this. But I mean, I'm here now, and he's my ex, and that's that is all that matters. And I, I do want to just go on record and and absolutely say that I support the men and women who sacrifice their lives put their lives on the line I have many many dear friends who are high-ranking members of different branches in the military and you know we would not be you know I mean we wouldn't be the great country that we are we we wouldn't be safe I, I really value that and so for me to come forward and appear like I'm bashing on that as a whole and most certainly not but i am trying to expose some of the corruption and the uh the very blatant attempts to dissuade women who have been abused pretty significantly uh brushing that under under the carpet
0: yeah i mean it's definitely um You know it's something that the military doesn't like to talk about but spousal abuse uh, has definitely been a major issue uh, for a while as as well as in uh, law enforcement too for that matter Um, but that's something that uh, I had chronicled a little bit on VISA kind of looking into some of those strange uh, deaths around Fort Bragg and so forth but um certainly there is uh also I mean a strong history of domestic violence with these type of things as well uh it is a uh It is a problem, and sadly, it is not addressed enough in a public forum. Um, Okay, so also getting back to another thing about your ex's uh, background. So he was involved with some private military companies. Do you know if he uh, was involved with any during his time working with Bass? Uh, You know, I
1: mean, Bass, I mean, as far as private military companies... What do you mean, what, what, who are, what are you referring uh, to I was under
0: the impression he had worked as a contractor. They weren't like PMCs or something like that?
1: It, I mean, he was a, a contractor with Bigelow.
0: Okay, okay. Did he work with anybody else during his time frame with Bigelow?
1: Not to my knowledge, no.
0: Okay, okay. So then it was mostly just kind of continuously for about a decade, then with the Bigelow organization? mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And had this uh, his employment had started like right around the time that they had gotten the government contract, right?
1: Yeah, two thousand and ten. He was well. He was there two thousand and ten, and I believe they got the government contract a little bit before that. But he, um, you know, he was also during that time frame. He was deployed, uh, so he left and went to Afghanistan, and and then came back and, and things. So and it was back in that kind of 2012 time frame when he became radicalized by the oath keepers.
0: Okay, before getting to that too, um, uh, do you want to get into like when the abuse started first?
1: You know, that it was, like I said, everything was so fast and furious and the, the, the mental abuse, started fairly quickly and I remember you know one night being we were up camping by Skinwalker Ranch and and I was by the by the end of the evening until the early morning four or five six in the morning was cowering in the corner because he was standing above me yelling what a piece of you know you could imagine the words and what a stupid you know liberal you know, c-word. Insert the c-word here, and um, how stupid my UFO research was, and uh, I mean, just on and on and on. And it, it's once, you know once it started, and this was almost a daily thing. You might need to take a Sunday off to get some rest to start up again the next day. But it was, it was twenty hours of verbal and and physical abuse, and you know, there were times when. You know, he would, there was a book that he had that was about, um, it was written by either a police detective or somebody in the military. And I can't remember specifically who, but it was on how to interrogate witnesses and break them down. And on many occasions, he would hand me this book and said, this is what you need to read because this is what I'm doing to you. And it was just, it was so, the whole thing was so quick and disconcerting and I I mean I felt like a bomb had hit me and and I didn't know at that point because I was so disoriented how to, to navigate keeping myself and my loved ones safe if I could and there were many, many many nights where I was either cowering in the bathtub or cowering in uh, the spare bedroom or leaving and coming over to my business at three in the morning because I was scared, you know, and I mean, I have, I think, and I was really, really good. Thank God. Um, when I, when this started to happen, just turning on my cell phone and, and having video hundreds of hours of video and, and, um, audio recordings of this abuse and, uh, and him threatening to put bounties on my, uh, colleagues heads him sending emails to people in the media that i was working with in the ufo subject um you know it was it was a it was a constant thing and i was so it it was like i was literally when i look at the definitions of, of of torture you know it is it's the sleep deprivation it's all of these these things that i was constantly subjected to and it was really it's really interesting and someday when i i have the, uh, the the mental fortitude because I, I'm really struggling right now uh, with that. But I'll go back and listen to the initial interviews and then listen to the last interview I did with him because at that point I really called him out and uh, publicly, and I can remember a couple moments because he w- he was sitting across from me when I I uh, you know basically said that he was making up all the things that he had said. And I remember a couple of my listeners were like, oh, my Lord. I mean, they were, what's going on? What's happening? And, you know, so it was, there's, there is that whole, all of that, you know, is out there for people to hear. They can go and they can listen to that. And I think it's a very interesting process to see, you know, where I went from this to, a person that was literally in in the next room. I was having somebody uh, yelling and abusing me or coming in before or during breaks and and things. It was a really, um, it, and it still is a very frightening time for me because nothing is, is really being done. Um, the National Guard is, has refused to take any responsibility. Um, the uh, police department uh, is—you know—people are doing what they need to do, and and so um, it's it's very frightening. And I I just I hope at the end of the day that I, that my loved ones, and I will will all be safe. But I never in a million years would ever wish this on anyone. I've never been through anything so horrific where you're constantly in that state of like abject terror. And that adrenaline is just like, oh my God, you know, I still, I still can't sleep through the night. I, I'm, um, I'm, I'm deeply traumatized by this. So I hope something is done.
0: <clears throat> um, I'm not sure like how much of this you had gone on record with, um, so forgive me, uh, you know, I, if you don't want to get into this, uh, we obviously can't, but I mean, was this like around the time, um, you know, that you'd had that kind of, uh, download thing happen, I guess?
1: The download thing. hmm Which.
0: Uh, oh, oh, no, I,
1: when, when I had the weird, um, yeah, I know, I know what you're talking about. Um, That was actually after. That was kind of a weird. That was a a moment in time where. That was before. That was before. There was some weird stuff going on with the same people in the same. Yeah, because
0: I was trying to put this in perspective because I seem to remember there was like a lot of weirdness happening to you like before your ex had entered your your life. Correct.
1: You know there was, and it really did start when I was uh, snooping around in Mufon. And starting to expose some of the, the things that I felt were alarming with MUFON, and um, and then getting introduced to the people in the Bigelow realm, and there were um, people that entered my life that came to meetings here at the studio that would send me photos of. of uh, that all-seeing-eye messages were watching you or people that would come to my meetings and say, oh, we saw a person with you and a certain person related to the ranch. And I mean, different different things where and, and moments where my text to a specific individual was being sent to George Knapp and things. And so there was this long, very strange involvement with these people on the periphery. And I really didn't know what it was about, I didn't understand um, at that point that there was really something much more malevolent going on um, with these people and it was also in that kind of time frame when my, my show started to really take off and people were paying attention globally that I had, there were groups uh, people that popped up on, um, on the internet with their own shows that would go out there and try to discredit me or in one instance say, uh, that they were going to F me up, um, physically, you know, going to hurt me or kind of doxing me and, and things like that and and talking about my, my loved ones and things. And so that's, that started, yeah, before Chris and there were some, again, some very, Frightening times where I had to try to get uh, legal help, and it's very difficult when when you have people out there slandering you, and you're a public figure because you really don't have a lot of recourse legally. Which I didn't know, but I do know <laughs> I know that now. Um, so that was that was it was it's it's been a hard road in this, and then here you have a person that comes in, and you think they're your knight in shining armor, or. Somebody that is there to, you know, kind of protect you and shelter you from some of that external stuff that you've been dealing with. And lo and behold, it's like all of that times 20 and it's in your face uh, 24 hours. Very, very strange.
0: All right. So, uh, when did your um, ex first start to become involved with the Oath Keepers?
1: That was probably about 2012.
0: And uh, do you know about, like, his early involvement with the organization?
1: You know, I, I, I don't. I just know that he was uh, quite taken with that and had tried to, you know, recruit people around him to join the organization and was, you know, very much about stockpiling guns and ammunition. And in my opinion, uh, well, I mean, I think in everyone's opinion who's heard the uh the, Fox News uh, report he's uh, a white supremacist there's little doubt about that uh, so that it's that was it's, that was very interesting and, and I mean I I never wanted to look at that up close and personal and it was in, in a lot of ways it was very interesting because I had been studying that before he came into my life and studying the relation, You know, with the alt right and the UFO community, and you know, I mean, the neo Nazis and all sorts of things, and it was just really interesting because now it's like I've got well, wow, here, here, this is right in front of me. So, um, how do you process that? And I think for me, when I first was involved with him because of his military background, I was more able to say, okay, I can understand why his political leanings would be. You know, he would be supporting a, a you know a little different agenda that, than I would. I grew up a Republican. Uh, I was a Republican delegate, uh, amazingly enough. <laughs> and um, I've since you know I've since changed my, my political viewpoints, especially given the new what what's happened uh, you know recently in the Republican Party. But it, it was very fascinating. Uh, to me, I had to try to look at a good spot to try to 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 have this in front of me to see, you know why would people be triggered? How are they triggered? You know, there was this constant stream of Breitbart of um, you know these uh, I mean all these different news sources, Pam Geller all of these people and it was constantly you know watching the messages coming into the inbox and getting upset about you know the fact that these uh fascists are taking over the government and we need to go out and stockpile guns and they are going to take them away and we better you know be on guard and it was just you know i mean how many guns do we need here how much ammunition do we need and 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 things and it was it was it was it was fascinating and, and frightening to see so close.
0: Now, when did you first become aware of uh, your ex's ties to the Oath Keepers?
1: You know, it was after we were involved for a bit. Mm-hmm. I, didn't know, I didn't know what the Oath Keepers were. You know, and, and to have somebody like that explain it to me, it was a, <laughs> a much um, lighter explanation. A much different explanation than the truth of the matter is and so you know you would have somebody who's a, a patriot and somebody defending the constitution and keeping america safe i mean that's i think those kind of the go-tos and and things but when you look at the real sentiment of of the organization and the, and Stuart Rhodes and and some of these things you see that there's there's much more uh, to that, that story, and it's not the glossy presentation that they'd like to to portray to the media.
0: Now, how uh, open was your ex about his affiliation uh, with the Oath Keepers? Uh, do you think it's likely that people with the Bigelow organization would have known of his involvement?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yep, yep, absolutely. Because it's my understanding he was trying to recruit people there and from some of the internal memos that I have seen, it would uh, appear to me that um, that the head of that organization was very much in keeping with that kind of mindset and then you throw in the fact that you have you know coast to coast AM and uh, that kind of group of people that were that are affiliated with Bigelow that are promoting, that line and they're bringing on people that are you know the head the head of the oath keepers <laughs> how many times has stewart Rhodes been on coast to coast you well, know also how many too
0: um you know you've got to kind of point out i mean mufon as well which was working uh, as a subcontractor for uh bass uh <clears throat> during the uh you know the pentagon ufo stuff um you know obviously they have uh quite a questionable uh, history over the last decade or so uh, with some of the things that their uh, members have been involved with or have said online and so forth um, uh, can you give us just a quick rundown around this just to you know kind of give the people uh, an ideal that uh, uh, your ex isn't necessarily an isolated uh, individual I
1: mean yeah he's he's he, uh, he's definitely not an isolated individual unfortunately um, He's one of the more frightening individuals that I've ever come in contact with because of his blatant uh, uh, lack of, of respect for the law or respect for other human beings. But there is, a, I think, a long history of racism in, in MUFON, and that has been evidenced by some of the key figures in MUFON making statements that, are, that have come under fire. There's an article in Newsweek magazine, Um, And and it is about uh, racism in the UFO community, specifically MUFON and the John Ventry scandal. John Ventry was a state director back east and made some comments. And then he quickly allegedly was disciplined, Mm -hmm. but he was still there behind the scenes. And then there were other... People that had made comments that came under fire, I mean, just really ridiculous comments that have, in my opinion, no place in uh, a nonprofit organization that is operating for the benefit of, of humankind. So it's definitely an interesting organization and not everybody in the organization has that mindset. I, um, I spoke a couple months ago from Minnesota MUFON and they are amazing amazing people, and so there are good people out there. But unfortunately, the leadership of MUFON does not enforce any, any standards like a good organization should. And as a result, there is a lot of uh, racism, misogyny, um, and those things shouldn't be tolerated in, in a day, this day and age, but unfortunately, there seems to be an uptick of, of that activity again.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of questionable aspects about MUFON, um, you know, and certainly, I mean, also down to their investigation methods and all kinds of other things. Um, Obviously, this is a topic I've discussed with you before. Also, uh, MJ Banas, too, who was also a MUFON investigator for a brief period of time. But, um... There has been certainly a lot of reports of a lack of professionalism. I mean, this isn't to say, you know, every MUFON group, some of them actually are quite good investigators. It just kind of varies, uh, at least my impression is uh, region to region, and certainly, I mean, who the local heads are and that type of thing. But it is important to emphasize that they were used by the Bigelow organization uh, as part of the Pentagon contract, as a subcontractor and uh, Skinwalkers at the Pentagon, uh, the book recently released, uh, written by several of the people involved with all of that, uh, has a rather glowing account of Mufon's um, involvement in the program. So, you know, again, I think that should be emphasized. I mean, obviously, you know, this is a good decade or so after. Uh, some of this craziness with Mufon started to surface. Uh, there's also, obviously, the connection with Jay-Z Knight, who would later do a lot to play up the Q narrative. Um, but, you know, again, I think a lot of these people were probably still involved with Mufon at the time that they were being directly subcontracted by Bigelow, so that's another interesting thing in all of this to keep in mind.
1: Um, well, and it, it, to me, one of the most... <laughs> You know, I mean something that is, is really disturbing is, is the fact that Mufon bought and I mean sold their data to to people like Robert Bigelow, and and Lord knows at the end of the day what he was doing with that information. I mean, this there were accounts. Uh, Phil Leach was on my show. He was an investigator at Mufon and did a pretty big expose on on my show about Mufon and and some of. Uh, the questions that have, have been raised—very important questions about the, the way the organization was ran—and they, he, he mentioned that there were investigators that would specifically put in the CMS, the, the database, different medications the witnesses were taking, and and things that were just completely inappropriate and uh, you know illegal at the end of the day. And so, why is this information? Uh, being bought and, and sold to Robert Bigelow, why are the abduction accounts being sold uh, to Robert Bigelow and his crew? It, it all, to me, as it's, it's disturbing. And I think, I hope at the end of the day, there would be some sort of investigation into the use of $22 million that went into allegedly studying UFOs. But... Clearly, you know it, it was that wasn't the case. there was either uh, a major you know mishandling of finances or they were doing something like the non-lethal weapons testing there's there's something there and it needs to be accounted for and when you have this <clears throat> book Skinwalkers of the Pentagon coming out and, and they're talking about these you know d- flying dinosaur beavers and, and all sorts of things you just think, oh my Lord, come on. You know, it, it's embarrassing. It, it really, truly is embarrassing. And at some point in time, I, I just wonder who in the UFO community is gonna stand up and say, are you kidding? This is what an adult has to say about this. This is where we are, That this is a serious scientific study. And Skinwalker Ranch is the most studied, scientifically, you know, scientifically studied place on the planet with regards you know with regard to the ufo phenomena, i mean that's a load of crap
0: yeah and i mean it's you know important to emphasize uh, at least per skinwalkers at the pentagon um ranch really did uh provide the inspiration for the uap program uh, that the pentagon launched shortly after uh what was it? The one DIA officer uh, <clears throat> went to Let's visit. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He went to visit uh, Skinwalker with Bigelow, and what saw an orb appear behind Robert, or something like that. Um, I guess that's the yep. uh, the power of bass.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you can just say whatever you want, and and people are dumb enough to believe it. Hey, I I was married to somebody that saw shapeshifting werewolf, so I'm. <laughs> Definitely not immune, but luckily I do. Every once in a while, my common sense comes back to me, and I can can see through things. and And the fantasy uh, wears off, and reality hits you in the head, literally.
0: So, do you know if your ex had any success recruiting other people affiliated with Bass into the keepers?
1: You know, I don't. Um, I, I can't imagine he did. Um, he was not a, a very well-liked person um, from what I've found out, uh, not, not didn't have a lot of friends. He was a definite, he's a definite loner and not a nice person to anybody that is close to him. So I, I, I can't imagine, but you know, again, who knows what happened? It, I, my question is, and will I'll probably always be, why did Robert Bigelow choose to employ him for so long when he was clearly uh, had some issues before his employment there.
0: Yeah, and certainly, I mean, it sounds like they would have at least been aware that he was uh, associated with an extremist group during his employment as well.
1: Well, and I think that that was a fine thing because, like I said, you've got coast-to-coast coast AM, and and you've got them bringing on people supporting Q. You've got them right on the head of the oath keepers, so they're all in league with each other. They're all playing off each other and and working on these uh, conspiracy narratives and brainwashing people. And it's like I said, you know, a while ago, it's it, it's very very sad to me to see how many incredible, incredibly bright human beings have been manipulated and brainwashed by. Uh, people that are data mining and learning how to pick, you know, bits and pieces of people's personalities out, learning how to manipulate them, make them angry, make them happy, you know, uh, do all of these these things, and at the end of the day, can can get people so worked up that they're willing to do things that they never would have been willing to do, and put their families in jeopardy, and put their lives in jeopardy, and end up paying the consequences by by going to jail and and serving, you know, prison terms. I mean, this is, to me, this is so serious. It's just and so widespread. It's far-reaching. This isn't something that is just happening here in America. It's happening happening globally. And I think that that's... um, I just never in a million years would picture that here we are entering 2022, and this is where our world is. We've gone... Back a hundred steps, it seems, on on women's issues and rights, uh, it is it is okay to blatantly uh, walk down the street with a Confederate flag or a noose, and to call somebody a you know a nigger, uh, to um, you know it's just all these things are are happening in order to make fun of a disabled person or to to say I'm going to grab somebody by the you know, insert the P word here, Um, all of these things that are taking place where we have just seen a moral decline in our society. And that is, I mean, it's scary. And I will, again, I will say, I really feel like the UFO community for decades has been a breeding ground for some of these, these ideas, these conspiracies. It's given a, a foothold for people to come in and use that and, and manipulate a lot of people. And I hope to God, somebody somewhere is investigating this and that connection.
0: Absolutely. Now, uh, when did your ex uh, start making the threats against uh, President Joe Biden? You know,
1: that was something that, you know, again, this wasn't an isolated incident. This was something that we heard uh, more (laughs) often, (laughs) you know, especially around the election or the January 6th insurrection, um, different things. I mean, there would be many nights we would have conversations about um, the filthy, you know, insert the N-word here, uh, that, weren't, that ran in, in packs and um, should be swinging in trees. Um, and, uh, I mean, it, just mind-blowingly disturbing <laughs> things. That it was, like I said, almost a nightly thing. And thank God I have all of this as evidence and recorded. And I have given, a, you know... A, and the best of reels to the Utah National Guard who has done nothing. I have given this to the FBI. I have given this to the Secret Service. I have given, you know, I mean I and to the Salt Lake City Police Department. So everybody that I could think of, I gave this information to because I was so alarmed and and I knew that I needed to do everything I could because if something happened and other people were hurt, then this, this needed to be on the record and this needed to be on them for not doing anything.
0: Yeah, it's just incredible that, um, you know, there hasn't been more action taken. Uh, supposedly, (coughs) allegedly at a time when the government is supposed to be cracking down on extremism. And, um, uh, you know, they have thrown some mentally uh, disabled or disturbed people in prison uh, for very hefty sentences over the January 6th thing. But um, much of the leadership uh, is doing great. Uh, I don't think Stuart Rhodes will be finding himself uh, sitting behind a prison anytime soon. And a lot of other people affiliated with some of the more militant aspects are not going to be serving any time either.
1: You know, and I think for me in my own personal experience, I mean, I remember when I, um, you know, first started reaching out to the Utah National Guard, specifically uh, Lieutenant Colonel Brian Halverson from uh, JAG and sending him emails and, and videos and um, Audio recordings and and asking for help or for any anything to be done uh, or you know people at the police department or, or things and it was just like you know just this this just silence and you know I understand that there is you know if they're conducting a military investigation a lot of times these things are done without the knowledge of like say somebody like myself but I was never called to be to to speak further about it in the fox news interview lieutenant colonel halverson specifically you know goes on record when when asked about the death threats to biden and obama you know what would typically be done and he says that they would be given to the fbi well that is in my uh from my understanding that's that's not true they would conduct a an internal military investigation and i am the one who actually sent the information to the fbi and so you know lots of uh, game playing and smoke screens and at the end of the day not any accountability uh, for for things and and it really is it's a very difficult thing when you're uh, you're being you're a vic- victim I want to say a survivor now I've got to rephrase things of abuse and you're turning to these places that you think should be helping you and and they by all accounts, have billions of dollars that they're supposed to be spending for domestic violence victims and programs to educate military veterans, and yet none of that is being allocated to help anybody. And there's the good old boys club that steps into to place, and it's like, well, we've got to keep it quiet. Well, you know, he says he's doing A, B, C, and D, so we're going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And then, you know, the biggest thing that I've heard repeatedly from people in law enforcement or people in uh, a position to prosecute is what about his military career he might lose his retirement okay and when I was having my head bashed into the ground repeatedly where do I come into this how does that matter Did, did my life matter does my life matter or is this all about military retirement. I mean, it's, it, this whole thing has taught me things. that I just, I'd never, like I said, I never hope anybody has to, to deal with this. Unfortunately, there's some really great women that I have come into contact with across the country who have dealt with this and have not only been abused by their, uh, intimate partners, but have been the, the abuse has, has been furthered by leaders in the military, commanding officers we choose to look the other way who choose to continue abuse in in another form and fashion and it's it's it is it's just it's like it's it's wrong it is absolutely wrong and I will continue I think to speak out about this and 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 tie this into what I've learned about the people in the UFO community because it was interesting just to kind of segue into this when I came out about my abuse there were You know specific people uh ryan skinner being one of them that went on on a twitter rampage and my ex (laughs) was the victim of the abuse and and then also another woman who has a um a youtube show who's been who i believe is on the you know the payroll for for this group of people uh and has, has said the same thing so that's been pretty disturbing to see that sentiment and Adam Rightly, who was on my show about a month and a half ago, raised the question when the, when the Fox News story uh, about my situation came out. He just said, hey, UFO Twitter, here you've got this story about what happened to Erica Lukes and not one of you is saying a word. What's up with that? And that really does shine a light on the lack of integrity in the UFO community as well. A lot of people there that have no backbone, and that clearly—I uh, don't know what—maybe need to go to Sunday school, therapy, something, learn yeah. how to be a human being. I gotta being. say
0: though, Adam is definitely not one of them. And uh, just want to again plug his most recent book, a uh, book, uh, "Spooks, Kooks, and or was it "Saucer Spooks and Kooks? Mm-hmm. Great book. Uh, yeah, it's a great book. Uh, it's one of he's the a best, neat guy. He's a great guy. Yeah, I've I've had the pleasure of interviewing Adam too. He is fantastic. I love all of his books, honestly. But uh, the most recent one is just amazing for the UFO field. So again, uh, it has my wholehearted endorsement.
1: Absolutely, and I and I really appreciated him reaching out. He not only reached out to me privately, but then <clears throat> you know made a, a comment publicly about that as you know. And, and Jack Brewer has been you know, a, a, a supporter, and there have been people who <coughs> have chosen to come out. But it has been very interesting to see the, the silent majority. And that does, again, shine a spotlight on the dysfunction and, and the, the quality of people in the UFO community.
0: Now, how did uh, your experiences with your ex in general change your perspective on ufology?
1: You know, I, it, 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 it's, I was, you know, I, I was, as I've said before on your show many times, I mean, I was so gung-ho and bright-eyed, and I'm like one of those people that just like I am, if I get into something, it is like I am in it, and I'm going to do the best I can and look out everybody, because my focus is a laser, and I, it was when I to join MUFON, I was, okay, I'm going to get in there and, and work with the executive director and figure out how to change the image of MUFON, and I was doing a good job, and then I got, you know, because of certain people, you know, just my, you know, I mean, I just got my my ass handed to me, uh, and was, you know, uh, just uh, endured a lot in that regard, and So it was just like one hit after another, after another. And I'm trying to do the best I can because I believe that this subject is so important and and incredible. And so uh, it is is such a deep and layered subject. And I believe that we need to understand the history and preserve the history of this subject for many reasons. But I, I just, I mean, it was like, just it was so... It was one of those things. It was like, boom, 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 and i, I keep I keep trying to go, keep trying to find support systems. Um, and then, you know, one by one, I watched some of those public figures that when I first came into the field, you know, like the richard dolans and and people like that that were very supportive of me when I was towing the company line. And then when I stepped out of line, it was, well, you're on your own. good luck. and so i I saw that repeatedly. and One by one, the people that I held in the highest of regard have fallen the furthest. And I now understand that they are people that don't really deserve a lot of respect and that have been creating narratives. And not only that, they have, when there have been things that have been wrong in the subject, instead of standing up and doing what's right to make a change for the, they've rolled over and they've allowed specific groups of people to continue uh their agendas and i think that's you know i'm not i'm not wired that way um i wasn't brought up to be somebody who rolls over when people are getting hurt and i will never be that way (laughs) much to my detriment sometime I i should probably you know i guess just walk away when bad things are happening but i'm i'm not that way and so i know over the years i've asked people you know i've asked Richard Dolan I've asked Nick Redfern I've asked Greg Bishop I've asked all these you know people that have been in my life at one point or another okay how do we make a change and everybody's like nope nope we can't it's always gonna be this way nothing's gonna be done and I just think I can kind of get that but then you know a majority of me thinks God will you know bad things continue to happen and uh, you know a, a lot of uh a lot of things around the world you know i mean god look at look at the holocaust i mean look at all of these things that have happened where a lot of people have turned a blind eye and sure that was an easier thing to do but my god don't we have an obligation to do the right thing and i think you know we we are at that point in the ufo world we I care about the subject, I care about my friends, I care about the history, I care about the deeper meanings of the subject and how it's been manipulated and used to uh, to create a platform where the Nazi agenda can come back full force, where all of these bad things could happen, Oath Keepers can can reign free and storm the capital and destroy people's lives, and I just I'm not I can't be that person that sits by and watches that happen and I I know you're the same way too
0: oh absolutely that's why I do what I do now to wrap up um what do you think about the UFO disclosure narrative uh having its origins in bass and a lot of the dubious characters surrounding it that uh We've been discussing, I mean, they seem to be the driving force behind uh, this initiative, and uh, what was it, Uh, the Pentagon has just recently uh, initiated another UAP program, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, I mean, uh, what are your thoughts when, you know, you look at a lot of the characters that we've been discussing who have been driving this push for an official, um, you know, quote-unquote, UFO working group now for a good 30 or 40 years?
1: Well, they've certainly gotten a lot of free dinners out of it, haven't they? Oh, yeah. You know, I'm sure they, I'm sure they sit in a little cafe in France and drink their wine. And oh, look at what we pulled over on on the public. And oh, look at how we can bring Serpo back in or MJ12. And ha oh, ha, you know, stupid fools, we can mine their data and 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 do all of this. And and um, I I just think, yeah, I think disclosure is a myth. I think it's, like, one of those things, like, you look with a lot of the QAnon stuff, it's like, okay, right here, guess what, Kennedy's going to appear, everybody get ready, it's coming. Or, Trump is going to be president, get ready, again. And it's, like, dangle the carrot, take it away, throw in another uh, load of of garbage, and see how people, you know, lap it up. And, um, I, I, I see that with the disclosure movement. I think that when you've got people like Lou Elizondo leading the disclosure movement and inserting his patriot narrative and looking at the comments that he has on his uh, Twitter feed where people are, oh we're gonna storm the Pentagon, we need to get ready to fight. I mean this kind of rhetoric that we saw with the the January 6th uh, insurrection I mean, it's, it's, it's no different, and I don't know why nobody, nobody, but myself, I think, maybe a couple other people uh, have, have, you included, have called that out. But if that's disclosure, I don't know what to say, because that is not to me, that's, mani- that's manipulation. Um, so, and I, I, at the end of the day, I don't need the government to disclose things. Why, why would we need that? I mean are we that you know, are we that powerless that we need our government to disclose things when some of us have had personal experiences? Do we really think the government at the end of the day has crashed flying saucers? I don't think so. So I think we should get a grip on that and then maybe look at other you know, other 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 venues, other ways that we could explore a really fascinating topic, and use science
0: to do it. Yeah, well, I mean, certainly, I mean, one of the most disturbing aspects about all of this is how militarized uh, this push for disclosure is, I mean, especially when you consider that uh, a fair amount of the people who, you know, have been tied in with, uh, you know, the stuff with Bass and uh, the earlier incarnation and NIDS, uh, a lot of them had uh, links to non-lethal weapons research uh, in the past. And that's a topic that's coming up a lot, uh, especially with quote-unquote Havana Syndrome and Mm -hmm. uh, kind of the growing acknowledgement that it wasn't just about the crickets. Um, You know, I think we're kind of starting to see a lot more of the uh, acknowledgement uh, that this technology is real and uh, I mean I think that's another component too behind uh, a lot of these initiatives. Uh, It's kind of a way, I think, to push for some of this more sci-fi weapons technology uh, under the guise of, uh, you know, defending us from some sort of uh, extraterrestrial threat or something of that nature. But uh, it is a compelling aspect of all this that is sadly overlooked.
1: You know, it is, and I I have to say that I think there might be a small faction of people who are actually pushing that narrative, you know, a.k.a. Elizondo and Bigelow and and things like that. And I mean, when you look at it, at the end of the day, twenty two million really is a drop in the bucket. Um, <clears throat> so I think there are lots of other other things going on. And you know, I go back and forth on whether these guys really have the credentials they say they do. Whether they really were involved in some of these programs, or whether they were just a bunch of uh, you know, I mean, people that were charlatans just using this as a means to make a little money and get on the speaking circuit i think there are lots of questions and they've they have helped over the decades to build their own mythology and you know you look online and you see all the back and forth with the aviary and pandolfi and kit green and stuff and you look at it step back and just go seriously i mean this is kind of embarrassing and if this was really like something that was You know top secret this was something that was really a matter of national security do you think that that would be going on in public like these people have carried on so are these just is this just a clown show or are these people truly involved in something else and i think that's the that's the big question you know what what's what are the motivations what are their Connections and and, and things, I, I will definitely say that I think their motivations are less than um, admirable, for sure. And at the end of their careers, because they're all getting older, what have they really done to promote disclosure, to provide truth? Uh, why are certain people choosing to hide their archives for 10 years after their death? Um, you know, it's I, I think all of them should be questioned and called on the carpet because at the end of the day a lot of people have been hurt uh, from this false narrative so including myself who got way too close to skinwalker ranch and i will gladly go on record and say i don't see one ounce of evidence that there's anything real going on at that ranch
0: (coughs) yeah and i think it's important also to mention that uh, several of these uh, aviary figures uh we're also uh, fans of a uh, certain Colonel Michael Aquino, uh, who is another interesting figure in a lot of this, and again, he's another guy where there is that persistent question of uh, where the illusion ends and the reality begins, uh, certainly you know there's a lot for and against uh, the allegations surrounding him with presidio but uh, there is no question that he has been uh, at the forefront of a lot of very elaborate psychological operations for a lot of years now uh, but again we can't discount that he was involved in more serious uh, things as well so mm-hmm. that kind of uh, further's the hall of mirrors and a lot of these uh, with a lot of these characters there is that aspect of the clown show, uh, and that's a big part of the public persona. But again, you're always sort of left wondering, is that all there is to it, or is there more?
1: It, you're right, and that's the, that's the question I'm sure I'll be yeah, digging into for quite some time. But it is, it is something that is becoming, as we dig into it, more clear uh, by the day. Especially looking at people's political connections, looking at their real estate deals, looking at uh, things that are, are taking place on certain ranches. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's just, it is, um, it's, I, and I will just throw this out there now. I mean, if, you know, the new Skinwalker Ranch team has any real information to share with the public, then share it. If you've got data, share it. You've been promising that for a long time and so far we've seen blurry videos of animals getting eaten by packs of dogs and uh, certain things and so there's there's really nothing. And not only that, and I want to just throw this in here because James Carrion has had some interesting back and forth with uh, Mr. Fugle about uh, Garth Myers, who was the the last owner of the ranch before the Shermans bought it and were put under an NDA. But uh, Garth Myers has come under fire, even though he is dead, and cannot defend himself uh, for being uh, a person who is a liar. And uh, because he supposedly did see paranormal things, but he's not admitting them, even Mm -hmm. though everybody in his family that knew him <clears throat> knew that he was a man of an upstanding member of my community. He was my bishop. I grew up knowing, knowing knowing, his family. And this is a man that would not lie because that was against his religious belief. And yet people who are alleged LDS members are calling dead men liars. Uh, all over the Internet without the chance to defend themselves. I think that is really disgusting, disgusting behavior. So
0: you're saying and that the, so the, um, the, the long-time owners, right, the one the, the one who owned it for like 60 years was a Mormon bishop too?
1: So the Myers the, the, uh, the Myers, uh, the, the Myers uh, died, the original owners, and then Garth Myers, who was the brother uh, okay, but, or okay. took over the property and then was up there for a long time, you know, care, caretaking the ranch, um, dealing with business dealings. The family owns the mineral rights underneath the ranch. Ha-ha, <laughs> wonder why you can't dig. I'm sure it's not because you're going to get zapped in the head with a beam. But, um, you know, so there are certain things. But that that has really been um, one of those things I've seen where certain people in the UFO community uh, are calling out people that um are, are dead and calling them liars and like i said i just think that really goes that shows the character of the person doing that when you would do that to an upstanding member who is a, a bishop uh in the lds church and a doctor and a really great human being and that they that person another person would do that um and think that that's okay to do. I think that's, I'm really glad that James Carrion called that behavior out.
0: Yeah, and it is, um, I mean, it's interesting as well because Harry Reid, uh, who had pushed for the uh, the UAP program initially, Senator Harry Reid is uh, also a Mormon, and per uh, Skinwalkers at the Pentagon, that was also a decent amount of the uh, the Bass personnel were also LDS members. Uh, So that's also sort of interesting to see that there was also the connection to some of the earlier owners as well, and um, some of the allegations flying around now.
1: Mm. Well, it's it is interesting, and I like every I think religion, or you know, I mean, there's there are good people and there are bad people, and I will go on record saying that I, you know, I'm not I've not gone to church for a long time, but when I did go to church and garth myers was my bishop um i had the utmost respect and and love for him and his family they were really 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 good people so that is it's pretty sad to see people that should have moral character calling saying things about people that can't respond pretty poor form
0: absolutely and uh, on that note, too, I will also mention uh, the uh, interview I did with James Scaminacci, uh that went into a lot of the history of the Oath Keepers uh, that I would recommend you guys check out. Um, and incidentally, there was also a bit of an LDS overlap in that whole milieu as well, which uh, Scaminacci and I discuss in that interview. So keep that in mind if you do listen to it in conjunction with this one. It uh, does uh, put a lot of other interesting... Uh, Gloss, I suppose, on Utah and some of the things that go on there. All right. Well, on that note, we will sign off for now. As always, Erica, it is wonderful to have you on here, and I appreciate you very much for coming on. Um, It was very brave of you. and uh hopefully uh you know this will all get resolved uh i know i was actually visiting you at sLC uh in june this y- uh this year right around the time when you were moving out and uh it was quite a tense uh situation uh, and it's very uh relieving uh refreshing and relieving i guess to see that you're out of this uh, or at least a little further out of that uh kind of dangerous setup that you were in so
1: yeah I know I appreciate that and I was so I was so sad that you were gonna be in town and I was going through so much just like upheaval in my my life and things and I'm really glad that we got to do the show here and we got to talk and I got to meet you and I will say that I'm still you were on my show what three weeks ago and I am still getting so many positive comments people just really really, enjoy what you do and respect what you do and you know so much that i i'm i'm glad that you're my friend and that we can bounce ideas off of each other and hopefully you kind know, of shine a light on some some things that need to be exposed
0: absolutely networking that is how we're gonna yeah, make yeah difference <laughs> 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 all right and, yeah, hopefully I'll be able to get out there to SLC sometime next year and visit again. It uh, is a wonderful and strange place to visit, I will say that. <laughs>
1: well, I would love that, and hopefully I will be much more refreshed. So. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. Well, on that note, folks, we will sign off for now. As always, I appreciate you guys for listening, and I hope you guys have enjoyed the show. So, on that note, good night and good luck to you all.